What is the answer to the riddle in the Dolphins' backfield this weekend? What NFC North tight end might be primed for another big performance on Sunday? And should one forgotten AFC South fantasy stud be in all of your lineups for Week 13? Plus, the seventh-place team in the 2020 FFPC main event regular season, Chris Kennison joins us to talk about his very successful debut into the contest, his polarizing draft approach, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. music remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com and i want to welcome in all the volcaholics and the forelliacs into tonight's program welcome to the latest episode of the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by my ffpc.com i am of course your slightly above average host eric falkman my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football I want to welcome him in now it is Farrell elliott Farrell, how was thanksgiving was it as dynamite as mine was Balky, uh, no Thanksgiving could be as dynamite as yours. First of all, the holidays are for the kids, and I don't have any. Uh, second of all, the Pittsburgh Steelers were taken away from me and dangled all week until Wednesday, which I did not mind watching that Wednesday night game. You know, uh, when we got together Friday out of Thanksgiving, it was too close for me to complain. So now I'm just it's, – it's in the background. It's in the, in the back. I'll tell you one thing. Is very good for anybody who was in the business with Mr. Gibson. That was a very happy Thanksgiving for them. Oh, no question. Yeah, that was huge. And I wish I would have uh, done more business with Antonio Gibson. Unfortunately, I was not willing to pay the <laughs> price that it cost to acquire Antonio Gibson on my team in the uh, drafting process. We'll have to fix that next year. However, his price is probably going to go way up. We'll talk more about that uh, going forward, no question. Also coming up on tonight's show, we're going to tell you what to uh, what to do in week 13 here as we are in league championship week of the FFPC yep. main event of the Football Guys Players Championship. A lot of tough starter sit questions we're going to get to. I know we got a bunch of emails about that. And obviously Chris Kennison will join us here in about 12 minutes or so to talk about his seventh place team in the FFPC main event. Farrell, it's his first year. I mean, he's played in the FFPC for years, but this is his first year in the main event. And now he heads into the championship round in seventh place. Not a bad debut. Yeah, I've, I'm trying to figure Mr. Chris Kennison out. I've, I've got some questions. And, you know, Balky, you may have to blow the whistle on me because I may go a little long here. But I've been uh, studying his <laughs> draft to Kennison. He's got, he's got a very Kentucky-esque feel to his draft. And uh, I've got to see if this was by accident or if this was truly his plan. And then I want to talk to him a little bit about the back end of his draft and what he was thinking there. Yeah, I think uh, it's always, you know, Dave always used to give me so much grief for exploring drafts, you know, this late in the season. But no. I think it's, no. I think we learn a lot from it. And, and, uh, oh and yes. um, to not even just, not even just, um, you know, roster construction as far as drafting goes, but getting into the mindset of the player who has managed his team into a top 10 or a top five mm-hmm. or whatever position this late in the, in the year, I, I certainly thir- uh, think it's, it's worth pursuing uh, as well. We got some listeners in the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. Uh, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFHour, and I am at Eric Balkman. Plus, you can always learn more about Farrell Elliott's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. That is at KFFSC.com. Of course, they are at KFFSC on Twitter. 
trying to make some noise in a couple of league championships. Myself there this weekend. We'll see what happens there. Facebook.com slash HSFFO is where to uh, connect with us. Um, and then if you want to give us a call tonight, obviously, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. football at gmail.com is our email address. If you want to send us any email questions in, um, we'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails in fantasy feedback coming up in the final segment of the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and, of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. Rob Vieira, not producer and mutual friend, Rob, um, but a uh, good friend of both this program and the Rotoviz mm-hmm. High Stakes Lowdown. Uh, he came back to the High Stakes Lowdown this past week, and that is up at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Rob has won. He's never won a big six-figure national contest, but he's already won over $200,000 playing high-stakes fantasy football. Plenty of FFPC main event league championships, plenty of football guys, players, championship league championships, and a bunch more. A lot of great insight from him. Check that out, rotaviz.com slash podcast on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Thanks to football guys, Draft Sharks, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's get into the Detroit Lions here. Daryl Bevel said DeAndre Swift would have a, quote, small package of plays, end quote, if active this week, this according to the Detroit News today. Swift did not play in or did not practice today, uh, today being Friday, and then uh, did not practice on Thursday as well. Now, he is no longer in the concussion protocol, which kept him out the previous two weeks. However, he's come down with this non-COVID-related illness, and it's going to be very difficult, obviously, for him to play. And even if he's active, I don't know how much he's action he's going to get. Detroit still has Adrian Peterson. They still have Kerryon Johnson. Farrell, I only own the, uh, DeAndre Swift in one league, and it's pretty much out of my mind. It's not a question. I am not playing him this week. Can you offer any positivity about starting Swift, or are you staying away as well? No positivity about starting Swift. Adrian Peterson will not go away. Two touchdowns on Thanksgiving, Balky, and, you know, they're they're playing the Bears, and if you look at what the Packers did, 90 yards rushing for Jones, 73 yards for Williams. Uh, Peterson owners that are short at running back shouldn't hesitate to put him in the lineup. Um, I, I just, you know, it, it's so bizarre because um, we have um, a, a situation in Detroit where, you know, nobody talks about Stafford's hand or his thumb or whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he played through it, but I don't know how healthy he is. No Galladay again uh, this week. Um, you, you have a situation where DeAndre Swift is probably not going to go. And then the Farrell, I, I, you're, you probably already saw this, but the Lions released Marvin Hall today as well. Um, and Quintez Cephas not expected to play. I mean, what are the weapons here for Detroit this weekend? Because certainly not giving Matthew Stafford a lot of help. Next man up football, Cephas and Hall shouldn't be that too hard or, or too difficult to replace. You know, it, it, one of the things I'm going to do if I get this job as general manager of the Detroit Lions, I'm going to move in there and look hard at the training room staff because I've never seen a place where players can't get healthy. Once they get hurt here, it seems as if they stay hurt. And and the quarterback is tough as nails. But at a point in this season, you got to start thinking about the future in Detroit. And I I think uh, Stafford belongs there in the future. But I wonder how many more times they're going to run him out until they sit him down. It's a back. It's a hand. It's always some problems, and it's always few weapons. Galladay is a wonderful player, but he's getting that injury tag on him, and it's – even when he plays, he plays hurt. It seems to be that the whole team is consistently playing hurt. That's why I want to look at that training room. Yeah, for sure. And and I will support your uh, candidacy for being the giant, uh, the Lions uh-huh. next GM for sure, because I know you'll clean things up there, no doubt. Uh, let's go to South uh, to Miami here, Farrell. Armando Salguero on Twitter uh, said that uh, Brian Flores, who's the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, says he's going to talk with Chris Greer, who is the GM of Miami, and the rest of the coaching staff whether they decide, before whether or not they decide to activate Miles Gaskin from uh, injured reserve for this weekend's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Miles Gaskin practiced this week, um, but we'll have to wait to see if they decide to activate him. Could be a Saturday thing, maybe a Sunday morning thing. I'm not really sure what their deadline is on that. But Salvin Ahmed is doubtful. DeAndre Washington? is doubtful, and Matt Breida just got placed on the COVID-19 list today, um, which was certainly a kick to the groin of the Miami Dolphins' backfield. So you look at um, the, the Dolphins' situation here, Farrell, 
if Gaskin is activated, I feel really good about starting him right away against Cincinnati this week. Um, if he is not activated, I don't know what they're going to do in the backfield. I know Patrick Laird's still there. There's no way he's finding a starting lineup for me in week 13, though. There's no way, although it would be fascinating, especially if you have him on a draft master team. He's likely to score for you. Gaskin is leaning towards playing. Gaskin will play is my guess. Uh, whether he gets fits back at quarterback or not, we don't know. If he does, I like it even better. But, you know, the Bengals are 0-5 on the road. They're always chasing. They're the 30th rush defense in all of football. Gaskin, I think, has missed four games, but he's still got 30 catches. Um, in week six, he did 90-plus yards against the Jets. That's what this feels like to me. Gaskin comes back, and he comes back huge. So if you've uh, if you've got Gaskin on your roster, I think you can sleep pretty good tonight. I think you can count on him playing. Well, good, because I added him in a bunch of leagues um, right after his, his big, you know, right prior to his breakout, and I enjoyed – uh, probably a good month of him, and uh, then had to keep him on the shelf, but I haven't cut him anywhere. So I'm looking forward to sleeping well tonight and partying big on Sunday with a big game. Yeah, yeah. Mark Gaskin against the Bengals. Perfect. Um, okay, moving on. Let's stay in the AFC, Farrell. Uh, John Smith is uh, out against the Browns this week for the uh, Tennessee Titans. Jim Wyatt tweeted this out earlier today. Now, Anthony Ferkser, who had a 22% target share with 29 routes run, against or for Ryan Tannehill's 46 dropbacks in the last time, basically the only time that he spot started for John Smith this year was awesome. However, he didn't practice at all this week and uh, didn't do much on Sunday. So we don't know what's, what's going to happen for him. Farrell, if you have Ferkser knowing that John Smith is out, or perhaps you plan on adding Anthony Ferkser, if he's available in your FFPC league prior to Sunday morning, um, is this a guy that you would deploy as a as a borderline top ten tight end? Is he a guy that you would deploy as a secondary flex in FFPC tight end premium leagues this week? Oh my goodness, Anthony Ferkser, the nightmare before Christmas, Balky. Um, if you're scrambling for that on a Sunday morning, um, if you're scrambling for a tight end. I think we can do better. Um, uh, the, you know. Swain is on the field a great deal. He's their extra tackle. He's their extra tight end. Everybody will remember him from the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Ferkser is an un- under-impressive six-foot-two-inch tight end with all the weapons that they have down there. With the emergence of the typical December of King Henry and an uptick in his touches, I, I just can't see Ferkser being any meaningful aspect uh, of this uh, of this offense, and and I, I just uh, no, it, it doesn't make uh, it doesn't make much sense to to try and play this player. If you're desperate for uh, a tight end, we just talked about uh, Miami and Cincinnati. Go back to that game, uh, pick up Drew Sample. People got burned on him before, but he's beginning. I think we got double digit points in fantasy uh, FFPC action. Uh, last week, you'll probably get that and more, and I think that's a better play than Ferkser. Yeah, it could Ferkser. be. I mean, Drew, like you like you said, Drew Sample uh, got five targets last week, turned that, that into four catches for 40 yards. Uh, he had two for 29 the week before against an underrated and pretty tough Washington football team defense, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see what happens with, with Drew Sample. I think I'm with you just because the unknown with Ferkser. I think I'd rather play Sample. Uh, Hudson Reeve in the chat room tonight saying Kyle Rudolph over Ferkser as well. I'm totally on board with that. No yeah. this week. I, I think Kyle Rudolph makes like, in fact, I think we, we may have, I think we're going to ask our guest about that uh, shortly. If I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, we are. So Chris Tennyson coming up in just one minute here. We'll talk to him about Kyle Rudolph uh, and, and much more uh, before we get to that last point. I want to bring up here. James Palmer tweeted this out today. Uh, Julio Jones apparently moved well in today's practice and, quote, feels pretty good as they go into their uh, Week 13 matchup against New Orleans. Um, James Palmer saying that Jones ran routes throughout Friday's practice. Uh, Jones said he didn't feel like anything was holding him back. He said he felt like he could run every route, didn't affect him at all. Now, we don't know, and, and I haven't seen it since, if he did get a limited tag today or if he got a full practice tag, but it seems like 
you know, where I, I was saying on Thursday, I didn't think him or Todd Gurley was going to play. Now I'm kind of thinking that actually both of them might play. Certainly Julio Jones looking better than Gurley at this point. Um, the question, uh, Farrell, is when you're talking about deploying Julio Jones in a league championship game, knowing his age, knowing it's a soft tissue injury, and, and knowing that he's been no stranger to the trainer's table, how confident would you feel deploying him out as a number two receiver and number three receiver, knowing that there could be an in-game injury, he could aggravate it. We, we saw it a couple of weeks ago where he could, just could not get right, couldn't get back in the game. Is that is his talent, is his upside something worth the risk with everything on the line trying to win your 12-team league this week? It has to be, especially against the New Orleans Saints defense, a defense that statistically is better than I think they play, or whatever that means. Matt Ryan is... Uh, one guy who's certainly not the same without Julio on the field. And I don't think if, if you drafted Julio Jones and what you had to spend for him, your fantasy roster is probably not the same with, with, without Julio Jones there. Now, 45 receptions and three touchdowns is what he's giving you this year. So if you're in a money championship game, he hasn't been the guy driving it. But I think he could be here um, uh, this time. And I, I just, he's a very tough player. I remember – that gut check 25 yard reception he made when, when that, uh, you know, when he was hurt, he was pulling that hamstring behind him. It would be very, very difficult if I drafted Julio Jones and believed in him in August and September for me to bench him in week 13, unless I've got a real comer um, as a, uh, as a wide receiver that is uh, maybe if I've got a Jerry Judy, maybe something like that might open the door to put um, the Jones on the bench. But, you know, I would have a good team to begin with. And so I, I'm thinking that I would have a lot of good players around Jones. So Jones still probably plays for me in this championship week. I'm trying to think how many leagues I own him in. It's probably like three or four. And, and you know, looking at setting lineups this week, Farrell, to me it hasn't been much of a question. I mean, he is in there. And he is a 1 o'clock game on Sunday, too. So it's not like you have to wait on him for a potential other player. You will know if he's in or out. If he is in, I am probably risking, you know, and I don't know how big. I mean, it's probably not a 50% chance. It's probably lower than that. I will risk an in-game injury to, to get his upside in my lineup as I try to bring home some championships or, or make myself, um, you know, set myself up for championships down the road with Julio Jones in there this week. Uh, that's basically how I feel. I think Me you too. feel in a similar way. Absolutely. Well, let's see how our guest feels. Uh, one more guy. Let's see how he feels. I want to bring him in right now. He's been playing fantasy football for nearly four decades, including competing in the first ever world championship of fantasy football main event. The last couple of years, he's actually won several leagues in the FFPC as well as the football guys players championship. So he decided to hop aboard and join the main event for the first time this year. And what a year it's been as he is in seventh place. Heading into the championship round, please welcome in our guest for this evening, Chris Tennyson. Chris, thanks so much for making some uh, time for us on a Friday night. Welcome aboard, man. Hey, thank you, and Eric and Farrell. Nice to meet you guys. It's good thank to you. have you aboard. It's 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 good to uh, to be talking to somebody here in in uh, early December with a chance, um, with a good chance to win a half million dollar grand prize mm-hmm. as, as you march onward to to try to. Uh, bring that home in, in late December. Uh, before we get into all the uh, nuts and bolts of your draft and your team management and your strategy, Chris, um, tell us what you're uh, doing for a living. I'm a manufacturer's rep. I uh, sales organization, and I handle uh, electronics, instrumentation, and controls. It sounds exciting, and it also sounds <laughs> like it's uh, uh, an occupation that allows you for a lot of free time to make sure that uh, – you're getting your blind bids in, you're getting your lineup set, and you're drafting a bunch of teams, right? Yes, sir. Now, Bucky, why do you think that that answer equals free time? I didn't get that from <laughs> that at all. You know, Chris, Chris, are you are you working on a lot of free time up there? You know, is that is that what's happening? It sounds like you're well. You know, it's it. it's hard to visit your customers in today's uh, today's world, but um, I do I do work hard. And I, I I work out of my house. So I do have some time to check in here and there on the uh, updated information in fantasy and and around the league and and keep a little bit of track better than maybe the average Joe. So I'm not going to complain about that. Well, good for you, buddy. You are certainly no average Joe. And, and I want to talk. Uh, Balky sent me 
um, your draft, and I, I want to go through it because I, I have a tendency to be a little long-winded, and I want to get started. You know, we run the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship uh, here, and one of the reasons that your draft has what I called in our opening a Kentucky-esque feeling is that we require you to start three wide receivers. So it's not uncommon in our league to find a, a, someone who would do exactly what you did, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, uh, Adam Thielen, and Juju Smith-Schuster, one through four. It's not, But it is unusual in the FFPC. And I'm wondering, um, initially, what was your plan? Did you have that going in, that you were going to go wide receiver heavy? Was that your, was that your uh, motivation? Well, I do have two uh, teams in the in the, in the main event. So, uh-huh. in one in one of the teams, I went four straight backs, and I guess maybe we haven't had time to check into that on that other team yet. But if you look it up, I decided I'm going to go in with two teams this year, and I'm going to go four straight running backs in one, and I'm going to go four straight wideouts in the other. Okay. That way, so I think I can control. So you flipped the script on this one. You went you went wide receivers, and then you mm-hmm. went. Five straight <laughs> running backs. So if we look at your other team, is it the same way? Four it running backs is. and then a bunch of receivers. Okay, exactly. So your your running backs here, because I don't, I'm not privy to your other roster, but I'm going to look it up when we get off. Mostert, Montgomery, Lindsey, and then in the eighth round, what Balky called excessive draft capital. <laughs> he thought back in August, excessive <laughs> draft capital in August. You go out and create magic with the eighth-round pick of Antonio Gibson. Did you know what you were getting there? Was that a hard pick to make? What, did you – Did you? Well, it, it what was on your mind hard... when you took Gibson in the eighth? Okay, well, after I took those four wide receivers and took um, Montgomery, Mostert, and um, the other one on there, I, I decided that it's time I get some, you know, potential, some rookies in there. And I, I believe I went Antonio Brown, and then I, it was Damian Harris next on there. I don't have it up right now. Yes, sir. <clears throat> But those are the two rookies that I thought maybe one of those will hit for me, and I'd have him as a flex in case one of those wideouts went down or those other three running backs that I mm-hmm. drafted weren't filling the hole. So that's kind of where I you, I felt I needed those guys for maybe give me a pop in that area if they came through, at least one of the two. Well, you, you continue to do very, very well. And, and, you know, as a commissioner of, of this league and as a longtime FFPC player, I have told everyone, I said, look, it's your double-digit rounds where you win the thing. That's where you're going to get your players that really pay off for you, and you've got to get some to make a difference. But you went on in this draft. For some strange reason, you drafted Deshaun Jackson. People still like him. I guess it's sort of an old-school <laughs> sympathy pick. I don't know. And well, he looks good coming in. Yeah, he looks good in shorts. Always looks good in shorts. Yeah. The, so, you know, Josh Allen was your quarterback that you waited to the 11th, and – uh, then your tight end was Ebron, that's late in the FFPC. And then the defense of Pittsburgh, another Kentucky-esque thing because of our defensive rules, different than the FFPC rules, they went in the 13th round, obviously the first defense off the board. Do you always go a defense that early? You know, I, I usually, you know, in a, long, a long time ago I didn't, but in the last few years I kind of have because if I feel I've put together a team where I'm confident that I've filled my holes, and garden no injuries. I, I feel that a defense is important in, in, in the FFPC, uh, especially if you can mm-hmm. get one like the Steelers that, that stand above like Kelsey does in the tight end category. So I felt, you know, why not I take them now? You know, I took some chances on some rookies. I, you know, I went four straight wideouts. I've got some veteran backs in there. I've got my quarterback that I feel is taking the, the, the next, you know, turn in the corner for mm-hmm. the season. So I thought, you know what, it's time to grab that Steelers defense. And it, it's paid off. So, it did it, work again for definitely. me, and I know a lot of people will laugh at you and say, boy, you took a defense, and uh, what, did I get them in the 13th round? What's your, uh, what, what's your position right now in the FFPC? That's seven. Yeah, well, I, I don't think there's a lot of guys laughing. There's a, there's, yeah, they're, they're not laughing. They're, you know. <laughs> no, so, I know there's not, not the guys this laughing. Is where, this is where I started my investigation, though, because – because Chris has blown so many holes into my double-digit theory because of the rest of this draft, Chris. It made me think of when Belichick, uh, when Belichick's dog was sitting behind his computer from the NFL draft, that highly right. publicized pick that went all over. 
So my first question to you, because I'm trying to figure out what happened in the 13th through the 20th round. So do you have a husky? Do you have? No, no. Do you have? Okay, you don't. So <laughs> and then I thought, well, maybe he auto-drafted it, but you would have the asterisk. And you, you didn't auto draft. See, I don't like it. So this is what I figured out. You got your dirty dozen of guys plus your Pittsburgh defense, uh, and then for the next seven rounds you laid back because, as Balky says, you've got a lot of time on your hands and you're used to being that way. You <laughs> laid back and you said, "Guys, I can beat you with my 13. It really doesn't matter." Balky in the in the 19th and the 20th round, Chris took. Philip Rivers and Gardner Minshew, just just you know, just for fun, I guess. I'm I'm just trying to figure out this draft. I really like the way. Are you going to come to Las Vegas and draft live this next year? I plan on it, especially if I win. I, I you know I I believe I'll win a seat or two, so I'll just take one of those packages. I want to be at your table drafting against you because I know it's going to be tough. But <laughs> I want to watch what happens when you get that thirteenth round because. You know, you're going to be flirting with the model that works the board, and you're going to be making dinner <laughs> reservations, and, and you're going to be checking with Alex to get extra drink tickets. You know, I'm even going sure. to buy you a drink because I like being around you because you, you have a swagger that says 13 can beat your 20, and you're proving that you did it, buddy. I could, congratulations on it. I appreciate that. And, and if you, you talked about my previous FFPC um, um, Players' Championship ones, and uh, – I do have the defenses early, and I do feel once I've got that complete roster that I take the best pick in the next categories like the defense. Kicker, you usually don't have to go that early because, you know, they're a dime a dozen. But defenses, there's a few of them that stand out over the others. So don't be afraid. Yeah, I've got one. Them. You got it. I, I'm, I, Good job. I'm with you, uh, uh, Chris, on that for sure. Uh, Kern Reeve and I were just talking in the, in the chat room about the importance of defenses in the KFFSC. And uh, and he's saying, oh, you know, I, I finally figured it out. I'm like, well, dude, it took you like two years, three years or whatever. It took me like a decade uh, before I realized <laughs> the importance of defenses. So you are a much quicker learner uh, that, than I was. Um, Chris, getting back to it, we, we haven't talked about tight ends much. Uh, and, and for this draft specifically, you didn't take a tight end until round 12. You were the last team to take a tight end in this draft. And I think the, the, the second-to-last team took one in, like, round eight or nine, and that was the second-to-last team. So you obviously really, really waited on tight end in this year. And I'm kind of curious, given the fact that you had played in the FFPC before, obviously owning a boatload of football guys teams, you have seen how the tight ends get drafted in these type of formats. What made you believe that that was the way to go with the tight end position in this specific draft? Um, and second part of that, uh, or, or was it just, you know, um, the way the draft flowed that it just made sense for you to wait on tight end? How did you sort of assess that position as you were making these picks in the first half of that 20-rounder? Well, there there were tight ends that I was interested in when it was, was coming to my pick, but either they were taken or I felt the other player as a wideout or a running back at the time was a was it was worth, you know, swinging their way with, so... I did. I did have a few that I, I was interested in, and again, they either got taken or I passed on them. And then it got to the point where I thought, well, now I'm, you know, it's way past them. Now I'm just going to get one that's going to, you know. And I thought again, well, I'm going to put it on a team where I figure, you know, I think somebody's going to get get some balls. And there was Ebron out there, and I thought, you know, I'll throw him on there. And to go back to what the Pharaoh was talking about for my last two picks in the draft, there, the 19th and 20th, is I had COVID in the back of my head, and really nervous this year, especially having two teams in the championship, and doing that this year with you know who knows what the future was going to hold this year. So I, w- I was trying to back up and triple some of my positions, and the quarterback was one that I wanted to have three on my roster for. So that was why I grabbed two quarterbacks in my last two picks in the in the draft there. But again, to go back to your question, I just, I, you know, I feel that it's just that's the way that one rolled. So I, I just didn't you, have you a, know a, a, where I, I grabbed the tight end and I thought, you know, I'll take him now. So it it it, it did it was more the draft dictated it. So I, I am I am an early that? drafter of tight ends. I, I do believe them in the FFC. They're very important, as you can see. There's so many teams in the top 50 that have Kelsey on it just because he, he's a he's a man playing in a child's game in the in the tight end points category. So <laughs> mm-hmm. it's interesting that's, that's, you bring up the quarter the, the quarterback aspect, Chris, because I was I was just I it just flashed on my phone. One of the private um dynasty leagues I'm in, 
um, it was the waivers closed tonight, and I wanted to make sure I, I got a third quarterback on my team <laughs> as well as a thing. second sticker. Uh, exactly, and I and as as a result, now I had some blind bidding dollars left, and obviously you can't take them with you. But I bought Andy Dalton for $190 tonight just to cover my bases and make sure that COVID will not affect my quarterback position for the remaining four weeks of the season. There, it's it's good advice, and and it's it's something that uh, that I think we should all be aware of. Um, one of the things that I wish I was more aware of, and I would have taken. Uh, I should have taken this advice, was being on Antonio Gibson, Farrell. We talked about this at the top of the show, um, about and, and Kern Reeve and I have been talking in the chat how I have no shares on him this year. I really missed the boat on him. Um, but yep. kind of a tougher matchup in Week 13, right, man? Yeah, you're going – you've got a, a situation here where you've, uh, you've got your defense against your uh, explosive <laughs> running back, your cresting running back in Antonio Gibson. Uh, a little gift from Antonio Gibson, although I do know he made your Thanksgiving dinner taste the best in years. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, he did. I, I, you know, if you're asking me about Antonio Gibson, the, the, what I like about him coming up on the Monday night game against the Steelers is that you know the Steelers just lost their defensive end there, and they've just played five days ago. Where now the you know the Washington football team has been resting for ten days, and I feel they're going to give enough work to Gibson where he's going to still be in a top ten twat top 12 back in PPR for all the work he's going to get. And even if there's there's catch-up time or, or a garbage time at the end, he's going to get balls thrown out, screens, and he's going to get his opportunities. So I, 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 don't, I don't figure it's going to be that far of a drop-off for Gibson, to tell you the truth. Yeah, you make either. some good points yeah. there. You make some good points with Gibson uh, on that, uh, uh, Chris, uh, for sure. And when you consider that, um, you know, if we talk about the Steelers' defense, it's not like they're this impregnable – fearsome, foursome, purple people-eaters, you know, type um, steel curtain defense because they gave up a pretty solid game to Gus Edwards this season. Mm-hmm. They gave up a really, really solid game to J.K. Dobbins. I think he went over 100, I think he had 113 yards, total yards against the Steelers' defense. And it, it's not like Gibson is, is, you know, so far, I mean, he's way more talented than Gus Edwards, and you can make the case that, that he's just as talented as J.K. Dobbins, too. And when you look at how that offense flows in Washington, um, it's going to flow through Gibson. And and obviously you mentioned the Bud Dupree injury. That's going to hurt him as well. So maybe not as big of a drop-off as a lot of people uh, would think. Um, Moving on to the uh, NFC North division. We know Irv Smith is not going to be playing this week for the Vikings. And it will once again be the Kyle Rudolph show as they take on the Jags at home. Um, How sneaky of a start is, is Kyle Rudolph in FFPC main event leagues, um, Chris, given the fact that this is tight end premium scoring, and the dude had a really, really good week 12. Well, you're going to kind of laugh, Jeff. I dropped him uh, last night and picked up Andy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> now, now let me go back to let me go back to Rudolph. I live next to uh, a lake called uh, um, Lake Minnetonka, and he lives not too far from me. So I, I see him and his family. I don't talk to him, but I see him often. So he's kind of a homeboy to my neighborhood. But <clears throat> this is the most targets he's had in that game in the last two and a half years, you guys. And he was filling in for Thielen and Irv Smith. So when you gave me that question about how sneaky he is, now I feel if Irv Smith and Thielen are back and we're playing the Jags and it's ball control with Cook and uh, Alexander, uh, uh, I'd, you know, I it it could be a one catch game for Rudolph to tell you the truth. You know, I'm yeah. a little concerned about c- kind of thinking he's kind of a sneaky pick or even a play if those guys are back in the in the mix here. So, two games in a row from Kyle Rudolph is not an expected out of Minnesota. I, I no. think I agree with you. So, you, you know, so so now you're going down this path as a championship. You're getting ready uh, to advance to weeks 14 through 16. Balky's talked about some of the changes he's made in your team. You, you, you went ahead and drafted Rudolph and, and added another one of these quarterbacks. So let me ask you something. Talk to me outside of that quarterback position. Talk to me about how you're putting this roster together for the championship round because there's a lot of guys that are listening that won't be there this year and would like to make the decisions that are going to win it for them next year. Well, I have exhausted all my money, and I did all make all my picks through the last um, 
transactions, waiver wires we can make. And I, again, I, I went with trying to back up all my positions. So I'm going into the playoffs now with three quarterbacks. I've got Andy Dalton, I've got um, Josh Allen, and I've got um, David Carr. So I have those three. And then I thought I got Pittsburgh, you know, and if the defense, something happens cold, they have to miss a game. I can't afford to lose those points towards the championship, so I picked up Buffalo's defense. So I had Harrison Butker in my kicker, and no, not Harrison Butker in that one, but suck up for um, uh, Tampa. And Tampa. He's on a buy, yeah, he's on a buy. So I picked up uh, um, Gutkowski in that league. So I have a backup kicker, and I just feel that you know with COVID it's pretty scary. There there would be years where if I knew my tight ends were weak, or if I knew there were games up ahead where I knew there was a guy out there in the waiver wire that might have a better game that week. Than what I have on my roster, I would put them on my roster if I could instead of backing up my players as much as I did this year. But I was really scared that COVID could, you know, hurt my chances of, you know, doing well in the in the championship three weeks. So that's you are flattening kind of... the curve through a twenty man roster, buddy. Let me yeah. tell you, you are on your way. I'm loving it. <laughs> so now you, you know you. The uh, the seventh place team in the FFPC main event as we head into League Championship weekend here, uh, joining us on the show this week on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Um, you know Brian Flores is is taking a, a cue from his former boss Bill Belichick and not revealing any kind of injury information unless he absolutely has to, and it's never more prevalent than it is at the quarterback position this week where we don't officially know if Tua Tungabailoa or Ryan Fitzpatrick will be under center for the Dolphins. Um, I, I'm just curious, Chris, does, does, does whether he chooses Tungabailoa or Fitzpatrick change what you're doing with guys like Mike Jasicki or Devontae Parker or even Jakeem Grant or, or anybody like that? Or is it kind of like, you know, regardless, you know what you're doing with your Dolphins pass catchers no matter who's under center? Well, then, you know, that depends on your roster and how thin you are and what you have to play this, this, this week. So that is up to individual players to make that call on. But I, I would not be comfortable in the playoffs or trying to go for points with uh, Tua in there. I feel uh, Fitzpatrick um, can easily do the job. You've seen what Parker's numbers done now in the last week, over 100 yards with them back in and before that struggling. Uh, Gasecki in there, he finally got a touchdown again. I just feel they're in a position to make the playoffs. I know they need to feel through their roster and see if he's, you know, their their players on their roster and figure out if they're the guys for next year and where they should draft and what they should look at. But I don't know. They're at that point right now where they, they, they should, you know, try to make a run for it. Uh, they're not that bad of a team. They're going to get Gaskin back like you guys talked about earlier. I feel I'd, I'd, I'd like most coaches, you want to save your job, go with what's going to the best chance for your team to win. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good decision, a lineup decision that that head coach will have to make based on injury and availability. I think he's leaning fits the whole way. As a oh, sure. fantasy manager, tell me your toughest decision this week. Tell me because this is a good team you've got. We were talking you know, about Julio Jones earlier. Who who is your toughest decision that you've got to make? My toughest decision, I think, would be is if I should put Juju in there because my lineup goes Josh Allen, uh, Mostert, Montgomery, Gibson, uh, Adams, Hill, Thielen, Ebron, Goskowski, and the um, Pittsburgh D. Now, I could put Juju in there, who I think can have a good game, um, but who do I take out? Do I take a running back like Montgomery, who's playing Detroit? He's probably going to have a good game. He looks refreshed after his couple weeks off with his concussion. Mostert looks like he's back in as the lead role, and I think he's going to have a good game on Monday night. Um, Gibson, again, I, I, you just couldn't sit him or you're out of your head. And uh, I just feel that, you know, Juju's a guy that's kind of tough to have on the bench. But that's a good p- problem to have this point of the year is, is guys on the bench that you're scratching your head about that you might want on your roster that at least you got those options, you know. So I, yes, I guess it is. My... Balky always says, if you think long, you think wrong. And our guest last <laughs> week said, play your studs. And Juju Smith-Schuster yes. would be a stud, but you have <laughs> you have grown your own studs at the running back positions for five through nine. I think you're doing a great job, and that's exactly 
That's exactly how I would handle it. Balky talked about the uh, Washington defense being better than most people thought. People are amazed when you tell them the Washington Redskins have the number one pass defense in the league. Maybe it does have to do with some of the guys they played, some of the teams they played, but, uh, you know, the they played who's on the schedule. They're the number one team pass defense in the league. So I think you're making the right choices. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I'm with you on that one, uh, uh, no doubt. Um, Chris, we do have a couple of emails from you, and uh, but I do before we get to those emails, I do want to leave things off with a question from the chat room. Hudson Kern Reeve wants to know uh, if both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are startable this week. Uh, always appreciate the input from uh, from Kern in the chat room, and uh, it's interesting because this is the second half of the Monday night doubleheader that we will see. On uh, on December seventh, Washington at, at Pittsburgh in the uh, in the afternoon affair. But then Buffalo visits San Francisco, and that Buffalo defense will be facing uh, both Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Obviously, we'd assume that Tre'Davious White would probably be on Debo Samuel, opening things up for Ayuk. Um, and after Samuel's performance last week, we know Nick Bones loves him. He loves to target him, so maybe he's startable as well. What are your feelings on both Ayuk and Samuel this week, Chris? Wow. Um, again, I think they're in positions where they need to execute and be out there on the field and be used in that offense. I think that's going to be a very competitive game where both teams are going to go up and down the field. <clears throat> like you said, White's going to be on Debo, but they'll move him around so much that it'll be hard for White to be man-on-man on, man on him all those plays, and he'll get his share. And Ayuk, he, you know, he's a great up-and-coming guy, and you know, if they leave him you know, wandering the field, you know, he's going to get his share too. Uh, you know, it's, it's too bad Kittle isn't out there because, uh, you know, that opens it up for everybody. Um, Mostert's going get to his, get his catches. McKinnon's going to get peppered in every once in a while, and I hear Coleman might be back. But, I, yeah. I you know, I, I wouldn't be hesitant to start those guys. I'd feel confident about it. I think it's going to be a shootout. You know, Buffalo's going to score enough points where, you know, I know that the 49ers are going to have to throw the ball. I don't think they're going to dominate the whole game with their running scheme, and Buffalo's going to be behind, so... I feel it, it could become a shootout, and those guys will benefit. Now, again, this all is roster. You know, if you have somebody else on your roster that might be a better, better guy over either Debo or Ayuk, you got to go with them. It's just you got to take what what it shows is the better matchup. But I, I wouldn't feel bad starting either one of those guys. Uh, Farrell, I know I feel really good about Debo Samuel this week. I feel all right about Ayuk as as my last flex. Um, you, you know, uh, as a potential guy who could take advantage of, of White maybe swallowing up some Samuel catches. Um, how do you feel about both those Niners receivers from uh, catching balls from Nick Mullins again this week against Buffalo? I think you, you got right to it. The only thing I could add is that uh, Mullins is uh, Mullins is getting better and uh, he excels in the, the quick game. He throws the ball with touch and he sees the middle of the field better than he sees anything. I think that's what those players will exploit. And, uh, yeah, he's got check down targets. So, yes, I believe that, uh, I, you know, you hit the check down, you hit the middle of the field, and Debo Samuel owns that area along with the tight end. It's a, it's a good game for the 49ers. I'll go out and I'll say that I expect the 49ers to win that game. And they'll do, we're it, because, go south. Uh, they'll do it with production, yeah. We're, we're going to go south here, Chris, uh, to Jack in Marietta, Georgia. His email, he writes, Hey, Chris, how much of a workload decrease, if any, will a beat-up Dalvin Cook face this weekend? Nice work in the main event. That is Jack in Marietta, Georgia. Thank you for the email, Jack. Chris, we know that Dalvin Cook has been healthier, but it's not anything that's probably going to keep him out for the game. You think the Vikings are going to work in a little more Alexander Madison than they have in previous weeks? Well, first of all, thanks for the question, Jack. I... I see it as game script, you know, of course the Vikings are going to try to control the clock and run the ball. And if they get up a couple touchdowns and, and Jack and the Jags kind of lag behind and, you know, I can see them getting arrested quite a bit. I could even see Boone, our third running back in there getting a few plays. I, 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 um, I know this is a must win for the Vikings. So if cook cook feels he needs to be out there, he will be out there. And the coach will leave it somewhat up to him due to the fact that he is a little banged up. So, he probably will ask me a few times, you know, are you doing all right, everything. But I do feel that if the Vikes do get up and and they're controlling that game and James Robinson and, you know, the Jags aren't going up and down the field and making it competitive, that you could see a lot of Madison and Boone, you know, peppering in there at the end, especially the second half. So, 
Are you going to rest Cook? Absolutely not. He's your first-round pick, and he got you to where he got you. So I still would start him with confidence, mm-hmm. but I could expect I could expect him to trail off towards the later part of the game. Yeah, I think I'm kind of with you on that. You know, there's no way you can bench him, um, assuming he's active, which I think he will be. Um, but you know, you take the good with the bad, and um, and this may not be a bad week for Dalvin Cook, but you may have to. You may not be surprised if uh, your expectations are not met, and that's sort of how I'm treating them this week. Final email we have from Jim in Mountain View, Wyoming. We don't get a whole lot of emails from Wyoming. So Jim wants to know, what's up, Chris? How concerned should I be about Kareem Hunt's downward production now that Nick Chubb is back? Is he a bench candidate? That is Jim in Mountain View, Wyoming. Uh, Obviously, we've seen the return from Nick Chubb off injured reserve for the Browns. He's been crushing it. Kareem Hunt, mm, not so much. Uh, 10 carries for 62 yards last week. I don't even think he got a catch, quite frankly. So his production has been down. Is this what we're going to um, to be seeing the rest of the season, Chris? Or or do you think Kareem Hunt mixes in some pretty good games in here as a maybe a top 20 uh, running back the rest of the way? Yeah, well, thanks again, Jim, for the call. But I, 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 I really think game script is going to happen here. Like this weekend, it's Cleveland at Tennessee, and I feel this is going to be a shootout and a competitive game. And they're not going to have to be able to just run Henry on one side and Chubb on the other. These, these teams are going to have to throw the ball. And if they do, Hunt's going to get his catches, and this is going to be a game where I wouldn't have a problem starting them. Now, the last couple of weeks, when since Chubb's got back, they've controlled the game on the running game, and they played a couple of teams that are pretty powder puff against the run, especially the Jags last week. So Hunt's got his rest, and he was pretty banged up right at the end when Chubb came back. So I, I could see some of this being just some rest for him since he's put on – all that workload since Chubb's been out. So there could be some of that. The coach is just saying we're going to rest you a little bit. And like I said, they played a couple teams that weren't so hot the last couple of weeks. Now this week I could see them in a shootout. But, again, this is game script again. And maybe next week then, if I don't know who they play. I haven't looked ahead. But they could play another team where you know Chubb controls the ball and the clock for 25, 30 carries. So I wouldn't have a problem starting Hunt. I have him on other teams, and, I, and I, I'm not going to sit him. But I just hope that it's a game that's competitive and he gets in there and catches his five, six balls and his ten carries and helps helps them carry the Cleveland to a victory that way. So Kareem Hunt going really being competitive. I, I, I just want to throw real quick, um, before you get to this last question, um, Kareem Hunt's schedule going forward, we know he faces the uh the Titans this week. He gets the Ravens at home uh on Monday night football in week fourteen. Uh he gets the Giants on the road in week fifteen. And then, you guessed it, the New York Jets. He goes back-to-back New York teams <laughs> to close out the fantasy season. So that might be uh, some pretty good action here in uh, Week 15, Week 16. Or maybe not Week 15. I mean, the Giants' defense is a little underrated as well. Be that yeah. as it may, I am fresh out of emails and can't wait to hear Farrell's final question. Oh, it's always the final question, Balky, that, that separates. It's, it's where the proverbial <laughs> rubber hits the road, Chris. You know, you have, You've done an immaculate job with, with breaking these uh, fantasy football questions down. I really, really got a good look at how you think about these things, and it's, it's impressive. Now, where you've got to step up now is because this is what everybody will remember. Everybody will forget that because everyone wants to know the answer to these questions. Who will be the bust and who will be the sleeper? We're not looking for ordinary busts and ordinary sleepers. I'm taking one sleeper off the board for you. You can't have Devontae Booker. He's starting at running back for the Raiders against the Jets. Everybody knows he's going to do well. He is off the board, sir. You have to put a line through his name. Everybody knows that. So, what do we want to start with? I'll let you decide which one you want to come with first. But I need a bust and a sleeper, and I'm hoping your bust is nowhere near my lineups. Let's have them. Okay, well, you know, I just said I picked up Andy Dalton, but I'm not starting him in my championship um, main event league over Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But I feel that Andy Dalton and I could throw the rest of the Dallas Cowboys on there are, are going to be a bust this week. I think the Ravens are mad. and They're at home. They got some bad calls. The Steelers laying on them. <laughs> I think they're going to take it out on those guys. And you know how that offensive line's struggling? And I think Dalton doesn't have that one- or two-second pass release like um, Roethlisberger does. So I think Andy Dalton would be a true bust. Now, I laugh because Devontae Booker was the guy I wrote down on Tuesday. When, yeah, he when, can't use it. 
My sleeper, I would say my the, the guy I like, and it's not you know some of these guys aren't a sleeper. They're they're no brainers, but I, I really like Chris Carson coming back with Hyde maybe not playing this week, and what is it Dallas uh, um, still banged up, and and even what is it Tomer or whatever he's. I think Chris Carson this this week might be a, a great you know top eight back and back on his feet and and helping the Seattle close the door on the Giants here during that game late in the second half. So I would say I'm going Carson. to give you an opportunity to embrace a bust that will, will leave a legendary answer if you get it right. So you say the Dallas Cowboys. Would you bench Ezekiel Elliott this week over Ooh. a starting NFL running back who's going to get – Say a starting running back is going to get 15 catches or 15 uh, carries and a couple of catches. Would you well, bench Ezekiel Elliott? I'm going to say absolutely not because I'm a guy that if I benched my first round pick and he scored three mm-hmm. touchdowns, or if I lost <laughs> due to the fact that I thought I'm going to be the smartest coach when it comes to the season and bench my best number one player against the Ravens. I I couldn't do it because those are all the ones that are hard to sleep on because you're the one then who who you know blew it for yourself and those are the hard those are the hard losses to take in fantasy are the ones that you tried to overcoach yourself on so I would absolutely start Ezekiel Elliott and and again I keep my expectations lower them down a little bit because it is against the Ravens and look at they you know they they're, they they keep Benny Snell even you know he didn't have the best game he had he had an okay game but. No, well, I would absolutely yards. start him. Yeah, I would absolutely start Very him. I, again, you just how could you, you know, how'd your Super Bowl go? Well, I, you know, I rested my best player on my team and lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, kind of hard to. Thank so you, if you're man. answering a legendary Thank question, that's got to be the icy because there is no other way to get yourself around that one. Because if you if yeah. you lost, how would you say? You know, uh, I thought you know I, I I thought maybe I'd throw in you know a, yeah, yeah. De- exactly. you know Alexander put Madison Frank for the Gore Vikings. in front of him. Why don't you do yeah. that? Put Frank up. Put Uncle Frank out there in front of us. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. I got you. Good job, buddy. Yeah, thanks, guys. Chris Tennyson, the the seventh place team in the FFPC main event, joining us this week on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Chris, you I know you've had a lot of success in the other FFPC satellites, as well as the Football Guys Players Championship. Congratulations. Seventh place in the regular season. Um, Heading into the championship round, the world is your oyster. The sky is your limit. Good luck the rest of the way. Certainly awesome to see. And hopefully, uh, you know, if you end up taking on that half million dollars, we're probably going to have to have you back on this show to tell us how you did it. Hey, no problem. I'd love to. Nice talking Chris to you guys Tennyson. and meeting you guys, and I look forward to next year meeting you in person at that uh, the draft. You got Very it, good, dude. Enjoy your We'll be drinking Enjoy for the 13th round. On. <laughs> well, okay, we'll be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Be good. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you as well, my friend. Chris Kennison, the seventh-place team in the FFPC main event, dropping by this week. Um, awesome to see a great debut in uh, in the main event for him this year, given his success in, in the FFPC. And quite frankly, if you looked at what he was able to do his previous years in the FFPC and in the Football Guys Players Championship, uh, I, I'd still say seventh place overall is pretty surprising, but not all that shocking given uh, how he's been able to manage his team. Um, Farrell, we got, I would say, like five or six um, minutes left in the show. I want to pound out as many of these emails as we can, and I'm going to lead things off okay. with Mark in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, he writes, thought I had it made at tight end after my draft, but alas, I didn't. Would you play Zach Ertz right now over Jordan Reed this weekend? I lost Kittle. Thanks, guys. Mark in Rapid City, South Dakota. Thanks for the email, Mark. So he's got a choice here, the, the Kittle replacement in Jordan Reed or Zach Ertz, who is coming back against the Green Bay Packers this week, but taking a backseat more than likely to Dallas Goddard. Farrell, which one would you go with if you could only play one in Week 13? The secondary tied in on a team that – is struggling in many ways. We can talk more about the quarterback maybe later, but but Ertz, uh, Ertz cannot help a fantasy team this week. Jordan Reed definitely can. Jordan Reed probably gets increased target value this week. Uh, what we said earlier about the middle of the field, yes, go with Jordan Reed. Uh, Nick Mullins will excel in this kind of game. 
against Buffalo's defense. This is this is what you want to do. Jordan Reed, not Zacherts. Yeah, and you know the thing about it too is is San Francisco might have to pass more than they'd like to, uh, trying to keep yep. up with Josh Allen and and what he's been able to do with Stephon Diggs and and Cole Beasley and um, and Dawson Knox who who got in the end zone last week too. So maybe more of a shootout than we're thinking on Monday Night Football between the Bills and the Niners. Tom in Salisaw, Oklahoma, he writes took Balky's advice and waited on quarterback, but now I'm paying the price. Oh, you and me both, my friend. <laughs> Philip Rivers or Carson Wentz for my Football Guys League title? Tom, thank you for the email. Thanks for listening to me, and I, I apologize for leading you astray. Uh, but it's Rivers and it's Wentz this week uh, that he's got to make the decision. We already know uh, Wentz is visiting Lambeau Field, taking on the Packers. Um, Philip Rivers, Farrell, is actually going to be uh, on the road as well, but he gets Houston, uh, a reeling Houston Texans team. Which quarterback is the one for you this week uh, if you're going to tell Tom what to do? Everyone that's been listening to the show knows that I detest the idea of playing Phillip Rivers. Five starts with less than 15 fantasy points this year, uh, 25 points versus Green Bay. That's more like the game he's going to have um, against Houston and the and the owner of the Houston Texans, Mr. T.Y. Hilton and, and Rivers now seem to be on the same page. So that's that's your start. Carson Wentz, if you can get to the waiver wire, you need to release this player and find you somebody that can help you. Without his five rushing tech, uh, TVs on the year, this would be even worse. This player has terrible mechanics, an offensive line that, that cannot block for him. He tried to set up a... Uh, a screen pass in this last game against Seattle. He couldn't even set the screen before he got sacked. You rarely see quarterbacks uh, getting sacked on a screen pass. And number 68 on this offensive line, Balky, Jordan Merlota, Merlota, uh, rugby player out of Australia. His previous football experience was with the South Sydney Rabbitohs, uh, which is an Aussie rabbit. 6'8", 346, all he can do back there is go and give uh, Wentz uh, uh, a hand and help him get off the off the carpet after he's been sacked. You do not want to be in business with Carson Wentz. You know what's funny is is I just read this today. I think the Eagles are like, I think it was 11th in the league in pass protection, pass block protection. So a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff, Wentz is inviting him himself, you know. And I also I heard this on, on uh, I was listening to local sports talk radio here in Northeast Wisconsin and they were talking about Wentz and he is leading the NFL in sacks um, or you know sacks taken on the season. We're mm-hmm. week thirteen. He's been sacked forty six times. The next closest is Russell Wilson with thirty five. That's insane. He's also leading the league for quarterbacks in fumbles lost and interceptions thrown. That is the leader in this year's triple not crown triple frown. Carson Wentz, the triple frown <laughs> for, for 2020 you know right who now. Isn't and frowning. Those, those boys at the Packers, Balky, have had a, had a difficult time uh, getting sacks and making their defense uh, be outstanding. Guys like Dean Lowry, uh, J.R. Alexander, uh, Kevin King, these guys are dying for the Eagles to get into town and play these Packers. You know, I've been hearing a lot, and, and take this for what it's worth, and it doesn't really help us because we don't, we, don't really, we don't talk about IDP a whole lot on the show, but a lot of people up here think Dean Lowry is going to have a breakout game against the Eagles on Sunday. Take it for what it's worth. I don't know. I, I don't see it, but yep. maybe it could happen. I know that, but like you said, the, the Packers defender is very excited to face Carson Wentz this week. Let's go to Dan in Columbia, Maryland. Dear Deuce and Edgerant. I was thinking I drafted a league winner in the third round of Jonathan Taylor, but now I'm considering benching him for Latavius Murray this week. How nuts am I? Appreciate you. That is Dan in Columbia, Maryland. We appreciate you as well. You know, Farrell, at the start of the year, this would be a slam dunk. If Alvin Kamara is healthy, there's no way you're playing Latavius Murray. But the way that he's been worked into the, into the uh, rotation here with, since Taysom mm-hmm. Hill's taken over, he, he looks viable. And Jonathan Taylor is coming back into a situation where, after the COVID list where he was on last week, Jordan Wilkins is healthy. Naheem Hines is healthy. Which way are you leaning between these two guys as, I'm assuming, a flex this week for Dan in Columbia, Maryland? Jonathan Taylor is, has been sitting here and watching. He watched, uh, he watched Hines and, and Wilkins both go under 30 yards. Now, the previous uh, last week, Previous games uh, versus the Bengals, 30th against uh, 
the rush, uh, Taylor rushed for 60 yards. He got – they're playing better now. They're 19th overall, but he torched the Vikings. That was his 100-yard-plus game. Uh, Houston Texans, 31st rushing defense. Put Jonathan Taylor in the lineup and expect the Colts to do the right thing as they push to have a, pl- a true number one running back uh, to go through the NFL playoffs. Jonathan Taylor has a big game. will reward you nicely for your patience. Latavius Murray is a game script situation. Uh, and, and who knows? Uh, that, was a, that was an unusual game that they had against Denver, un- played under unusual circumstances. Now it's completely different with a, with a divisional rival that's going to come to play. I think the Saints look more like the Saints. We talked about how Taysom Hill would win the game with his feet uh, last week, and he certainly did. This week, uh, Taysom Hill shows the, what he did from his first start, that he'll be able to throw the ball downfield. A full mix of players, things looking like they're supposed to look like with the New Orleans Saints, and that means that Alvin Kamara is on the field. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's your pick here. Yeah, I think Taylor, too. Remember, the last game he had um, before he hit the COVID list was against the Green Bay Packers, and he did have his best game as a pro against the Packers. Could have been even better. Um, he had a touch, at least one touchdown called back. I know he had a couple of plays, big games called back because of penalty uh, penalties on, uh, in that game as well. So Taylor could be becoming that league winner here. I'm with Farrell. I think you got to play him over Latavius Murray this week. Final email we have. It's from Ben in Corona, California. Hey, Farrell. Hey, Balky. Now that Kendall Hinton isn't running things for Denver, would you put Jerry <laughs> Judy in over Christian Kirk this week? Ben, thank you for the email. Farrell, I know you touched on Jerry Judy earlier in the show. We have Drew Locke throwing to him uh, this week. It, it looks like both those players are going to be out on the field this weekend. Is that enough for you to play Judy over Christian Kirk? And, and bear in mind, too, Kyler Murray did not throw the ball downfield as much as he has uh, in Week 12 dealing with that shoulder injury. Not sure if that's going to uh, continue to hamper him in Week 13, but certainly something you have to keep in mind as you make this decision here. This is an easy one. Just sit Kirk aside and look at what Judy is, an explosive player in a chaser game. Uh, someone has to step up for Denver. And, and try to keep pace uh, with Kansas City Chiefs. And, and Judy is the only player, besides Tim Patrick, but really the only player that fits the, bid, uh, fits the bill to do that for the Broncos. And he's been a target monster, 40 targets over the last four games. Week nine at Atlanta, seven catches, 125 yards. He, he had plus yardage of... Uh, uh, close to 70 against the Raiders. He is a developing player, and he's going to have a big game and another Denver loss. But they're going to do some respectable things offensively, and a lot of it's going to go through Judy. I don't. Uh, I think um, with um, Arizona, I think the coordinators have figured it out. You know, they had, they had the Hail Mary to beat the Bills. They've lost to the Dolphins, the Seahawks, and the Patriots. Uh, that's their – that's their score sheet in the last four games. And, and you know, uh, I, I don't think that uh, Kirk is is going to be able to penetrate this Rams defense. He won't get Jalen Ramsey, but he will have enough pass rush uh, on this young quarterback that Murray will escape the ideas of passing and try to beat the Rams with his feet. He won't be successful. Uh, this is a game that uh, is made for fantasy uh, for Jerry Judy, this is a real, a real great game uh, for a fantasy script for the Denver wide receiver. The fantasy script for this show is listen to Farrell Elliott and enjoy winning your fantasy matchup. And certainly, Farrell, I appreciate all the insight that you bring in uh, onto the show each and every week. Best of luck in all of your leagues here in Week 13. I, I hope the ball bounces your way. And I'm glad to hear you had a good Thanksgiving. I can't wait to talk to you again when we do this all again next week, my friend. Thank you, Valky. Same here. Thank you so much. That's Farrell Elliott. Remember, follow him on Twitter at Elliott. Check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. And, of course, follow him on Twitter at KFFSC. 
FSC. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I would love to keep doing this show, but we are past our hour. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, not the High Stakes Fantasy Football 65 minutes, so we got to get out of here. I do want to thank Kennison, the seventh place team in the FFPC main event, for joining us tonight. Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. Remember, check out the High Stakes Lowdown this week. Rob Vieira on a great long, long form podcast that we have. Uh, on that uh, on that particular channel this week, rotaviz.com slash podcast. A lot of good stuff from Rob Vieira. Uh, make sure you're listening to that before you submit your week 13 lineups. Um, we will be back next week, 10-9 Central, 2020 Football Guys Players Championship, regular season points winner Zach Lacani is going to be our guest. He will tell us all about his team and how he is going to be leading the entire chase for a half million dollars going into week 14 in the championship round. I hope the ball, uh, as I said with Farrell, hope the ball bounces your way this week. I hope uh, everything works out for you. Bring home those league championships and enjoy week 13. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Frederick the Younger, who provides our outro music on the show on the High Stakes uh, Fantasy Football Hour. Remember to check out all their music at frederickthyounger.com. Our intro music provided to us by the Quiet Hollers. Their music can be found at quiethollers.com. I got to get out of here. I got to watch the end of Moneyball on the uh, MLB Network, which is airing right now. A fantastic movie if you've never seen it. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate each and every one of you. And we'll talk to you again next Friday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.